Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And it is Hardline. Good morning here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer with you for the next two hours. And in the 11 o'clock hour, we have a two-part interview with County Executive Mark Polenkars. But first, last week, we did a spotlight on NY23. So this week, we're going to do a spotlight on NY24, beginning with Congresswoman Claudia Tenney. Congresswoman, good morning. Good morning. Great to be on. Now, last time we spoke with you was right before the primaries. Uh, how is the campaign going uh, about a month out from Election Day? I think things are going really well. Uh, we have been up and down uh, this very large district, as uh, your viewers and listeners may not know. This is a 12-county district that starts north of Clayton in Jefferson County and winds all the way around Lake Ontario, all the way to Newfane and Lockport uh, in Niagara County, and picking up basically everything in between, including the Finger Lakes, with the exception of a little bit of Monroe County, with all of Monroe County and a little bit of Orleans County. So it's, it's a vast district, but it is a tremendously uh, diverse district. It is uh, the number one dairy district in the Northeast. Uh, it looks like it's going to be, and it's also very strong on agriculture and Wayne County is actually the second largest apple producer in the nation, apple producing county in the nation. So it's got a lot of great features to it, a lot of small uh, communities, small business owners, which fits right in my wheelhouse. I'm a small business owner uh, right now, and uh, I'm not while I'm in Congress, but our family business is running under the able hands of my brother and uh, some of my family members. Uh, but this is really a tremendous district. It also runs all along the Erie Canal which is part of the, re, you know, the, the industrialization of New York. And uh, a lot of the things we have in common uh, in every aspect of this district, every county is strongly ag, strongly small business. Uh, and also we face some of the challenges of deindustrialization and some of the bad policies coming out of Albany, particularly in agriculture. But it's been tremendous. People have been really super to me, uh, meeting me, uh, knowing I'm a small business owner, I'm a strong advocate. Uh, and it's just been a tremendous experience. And it's also a kind of a coming home for me because when I first got out of law school and uh, first married my ex-husband, we lived in Canandaigua, New York. And that's where we chose to live. Uh, you know, sometimes they say uh, you can't pick your relatives, but you can pick your friends. Well, we chose Canandaigua. We thought it was a beautiful place. And it just happens to be fairly close to the center of this really long district and uh, really enjoying the rebirth that Canandaigua was experiencing and really loving being in this really spectacularly beautiful 
and vibrant part of upstate New York. So it's been fantastic. I, I can't say enough about how wonderful everyone's been to me and how excited I am about the opportunity to represent this district at the national level in Congress. And I think that I'm going to fit really well with this district and, and the needs uh, fit my skill set and uh, my advocacy. And, and I'm, I'm already uh, in the ground running and trying to get all the information I can to make sure we represent this district and really put it on the map. Speaking of uh, the district, what is the number one and number two thing that you're hearing from voters uh, of challenges that they're facing out of Washington, D.C.? Well, I don't know if I'd say it's out of Washington, D.C., but what I'm hearing from voters continuously, uh, there's two main topics. It's the economy, and that's a combination of inflation at record highs and the price of gas and home heating oil, propane, uh, anything dealing with energy that is, are at record highs, and crime. I'm hearing about crime repeatedly in upstate New York, even in this somewhat rural and suburban district. The laws in Albany on cashless bail, on prioritizing criminals over uh, the innocent victims and over our communities uh, to defund and demoralize the police movement that has really made it hard on our communities and our local governments to keep our communities safe. That's what I hear about repeatedly. Uh, from everyone in this district. And I would say there's actually a third that kind of ties with crime and is sort of interrelated. And it's because I think the nature of this district, I'm hearing a lot about Second Amendment rights and that the people in this district feel they had a big win with the Bruin case, which restored concealed carry rights to everyone in New York. And the way that Kathy Hochul, the current governor, took those rights away under one-party rule in Albany, and I'm hearing that repeatedly. And the reason it's connected to crime is we have so many people that live in rural areas that need to be able to carry concealed, they need to be able to defend themselves, and they need their Second Amendment rights in order to live freely and to protect themselves, while our police can, in many cases, are understaffed. They're losing uh, the retention value of trying to keep people and recruiting new police officers because of this defund, demoralize movement. And so they're all they're kind of interconnected. But those are the top issues that I hear about repeatedly everywhere I go, whether it's with independents, uh, Republicans and even Democrats are saying this as well. You know, speaking of inflation and as we speak right now, again, we're recording this on Thursday, uh, gas prices are set to start rising again here in New York and throughout the country. Uh, What are steps that you would like to see attempted in Congress by the administration uh, to kind of deal with inflation and the gas prices that, yeah, they dipped a little bit, but still not anywhere close to where they were uh, a few years ago. Yeah, this is unprecedented. We in, Even now, even though they've come down a little bit from over $4 a gallon, we see diesel at a really high rate, which is really impacting negatively our farm industry and the farming community, which is so vital to this district and to the state and to the nation and to food security. And so uh, one of the biggest problems is obviously we have a war on fossil fuels. We have a war uh, being waged, not just by the Biden administration, but also uh, in New York uh, by the New York uh, Albany Democrats, you know, preventing us from being able to responsibly uh, drill for gas down in the Mercellus and Utica Shale in the southern tier of the state. Uh, They're shutting down our ability to have uh, reliable energy uh, that's going to keep our communities uh, vibrant and prosperous. And I think that's a huge problem. And energy is something that's going to really be the fulcrum of everything we do, uh, not just as a state and not just in NY24, but as a nation, because it's being used as a weapon, whether it's Putin and his unprovoked war in Ukraine using uh, energy as a weapon, 
Uh, the Chinese Communist Party is also taking advantage of us. We, they're producing most of the batteries for a lot of the green energy initiatives. And we're seeing just this is really critical for the United States to be energy independent, to continue to try to bring down our uh, our emissions, which, by the way, came down during the Biden administration every or the, or the uh, Trump administration, excuse me, every year. And then now suddenly, now that we have a war on natural gas, emissions have incredibly gone up since Biden has taken office because we are moving away from fossil fuels and we're still dependent as a nation on 28 percent reliance on coal. And we know that we could be much cleaner if we look for an all of the above strategy for energy. And so I have actually set out and done something uh, very similar to what Kevin McCarthy, who leads the Republican Congress in Washington, has called the commitment to America. Well, I've tailored that to New York 24, and I'm calling it my commitment to New York 24 and how we bring back a strong economy. And energy is a huge part of that. How we keep our community safe. We talked about public safety, which is one of the top issues. Also, how do we have a future that's built on freedom, you know, dealing with this woke agenda in our school districts, protecting seniors, protecting parents who want to see their children uh, have, uh, you know, the curriculums to teach them how to be independent, great citizens and ha- have uh, stable jobs in their future and be self-sustaining and also a government that's accountable. And that is something that's really a big part of what I stand for. I had a tough election in 2020. I won after 100 days of counting because of the pandemic election, because of the irregularities. I founded the Election Integrity Caucus, and I've been a champion of making sure that our election integrity is, is strong and that we have free, fair elections and we keep important the sacred right to vote and make sure that every vote we take is private. I think people don't understand how important the rules are for elections. And the reason they're so elaborate is to be sure that the government and government officials never know how we vote. It's supposed to be private. Once the government knows how we vote, we look a lot like the Soviet Union, a dictatorship uh, that was uh, and now uh, the Russia under Putin, uh, Communist Party, uh, China taking over there with Xi Jinping. They know how their citizens vote. And we never want the government to be able to use that as a weapon. And also holding the Biden administration accountable for what's happening, uh, not just on energy, but what's happening at our southern border with these uh, late flights coming into our communities with uh, uncontrolled Uh, immigration at the border where we see people on the terror watch list coming across. We see deadly fentanyl coming across our border where the cartels are actually controlling our border, Uh, whether it's human trafficking, this dangerous fentanyl coming over 12,000 pounds just come over this year. 2.1 million people have come uh, just in this calendar year, and we haven't even gotten the numbers for September to close this fiscal year. Over three and a half million illegal crossings in this southern border just since President Biden took office. These are real issues that are impacting taxpayers. They're going to eventually work their way into New York. We know we've seen the flights. So those are the things that I'm hearing about. Those are the things I'm responding to. And we want to make sure that we bring our children back to New York. We have our grandchildren grow up here. We have safe communities and opportunities for all of them. And I think we're, people are worried about that, which is why you're seeing you know, a resurgence of people like Lee Zeldin uh, taking the lead. We see uh, or just close and striking distance. Michael Henry, who is, you know, the, cal- the uh, candidate challenging uh, the attorney general, and he's actually in the lead. So we're seeing a shift here, which is really important for New York. We need to save New York and save America. 
You mentioned immigration. That's another one of the top uh, topics heading into the midterm elections. Uh, outgoing Congressman Chris Jacobs uh, used to join us regularly with updates from the border. He would go down there and visit the border. What would you like to see done at the southern border? And do you believe that the current administration could do more? Oh, absolutely. I've been to the southern border and uh, certainly applaud Chris Jacobs for his work there and his numerous visits. Uh, it's important. I've, I've been there. I watched what happened. I was. It's even more intense uh, since my visit to the border. Uh, I'm hoping to get down there again in the next uh, several weeks uh, just to see the change. But I saw a tragedy at the border. I saw our Customs and Border Patrol agents really overwhelmed and stressed because they didn't have the resources they needed. That's why I actually introduced a bill. Instead of this so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which the Democrats put forth in Congress, which, by the way, before the Biden's pen even dried, the ink on his pen dried, they were talking about this not as an inflation reduction bill, but as the biggest green new energy deal. That's what they're talking about with this bill. It really wasn't about reducing inflation because not only is inflation holding steady, it's getting worse. And we're looking at potentially a recession coming our way, which is going to be really devastating for our communities. And so I thought of something. I said, look, we've got 87,000 new IRS police basically coming out. And in a country like ours, I know a lot of people, particularly people who can't afford lawyers and accountants, you know, are vulnerable to the IRS. And yet, you know, good people, we pay our taxes, but it's been proven that, you know, the IRS doesn't know when they go into these, uh, you know, police type mode, they really don't increase in any meaningful way uh, increases in our revenues from taxes. And what I see as a member of Congress every day are people coming to me average citizens saying, you know what, I haven't, because of the pandemic, I haven't gotten my uh, refund back, my tax return's not complete, the IRS isn't doing its job. Maybe we should have taxpayer advocates, and maybe we should take that money and give it to our Border Patrol agents so they can keep us safe. We could have another 9-11 on our hands with now almost 80 people on the terror watch list gone through the border that we know of, another almost 600,000 so-called gotaways People, we have no idea who they are. They're in the interior of this country. We can see that happening. So these are really critical issues. We need to support our border. They're afraid. The Democrats know this is wrong. They know that it's not working. But they are so paralyzed uh, with, the with the inability to actually go back to some of the policies, like the stay in Mexico policy, the stopping catch and release, some of the things that actually President Trump put in play, rebuilding the wall, which I heard they're quietly rebuilding parts of the wall which, by the way, is costing us money every single day to not build a wall while it rusts on the southern border and while our agents are overwhelmed. There's a lot we can do that we should have done and we should go back to, look, there's, there's no pride in this. Let's make sure we keep America safe. Call it whatever you want. Don't call them Trump policies. Call them common sense policies. And let's get back to doing things that are protecting American citizens, protecting the taxpayers, and giving us a chance at prosperity and putting some order in our immigration system. It's really critically important. You know, you mentioned common sense uh, strategy, and, you know, this is something I'm asking everyone around election time, and you see it firsthand being in Washington, D.C., and that is this political division that, I mean, you, you see it on social media, you see it in the media. Um, what is the key 
to getting back to, as you said, a common sense approach. You know, I'm only 34, but I, I don't remember it ever being this divided. I remember when you would have people, you know, screaming at each other on C-SPAN, and then you'd see them out for a drink, uh, you know, after uh, after leaving Congress. When do we get back to where, yeah, we might have political differences, but it's not this hatred that it seems to be now in 2022? Yeah, well, Joe, I think there's a I, I agree with that. I think there is a lot more animosity, but I also think there's something different that didn't happen when I was younger. And I'm a lot older than you are. Uh, when I was younger, we didn't have so much media and social media and people, you know, hiding behind their keyboards and not really dealing with each other. But I'll tell you something we did in my first term in Congress. I got elected in 2016 and in 17 and 18. My team uh, and our the Republicans and the Democrats, there were about 25 freshmen on each side, 25 Democrats, 25 Republicans, we got together that year and said, you know, let's bring the temperature down. Let's do a commitment to civility between us. And it was really working in that first term. We got together. We pledged to make sure we worked together. We did bipartisan legislation. Uh, we did a lot of social events. I teamed up with Lisa Blunt Rochester. She was the, you know, the, the uh, representative who's from Delaware. Uh, we did the social events. We had you know, a lot of great time. We watched football games and baseball games and the World Series, and we, we worked on, on getting together. And a lot of this gets exacerbated by the media and kind of magnified. So there is still a lot of good camaraderie, but we also have to fight for our side because we know that there's some, you know, far right, far left people who have become sort of performance artists in the world of media now. And, uh, and they seem to get all the attention and they get the clicks, you know, as they say. And I think we got to focus on the real issues. We have a government right now that is supposed to be self-governing. You know, our great President Lincoln said, can we save this country? This was a huge issue during the Civil War when we were at probably at, at, at our worst in our nation's history until maybe you could argue now. I would say a civil war is a lot worse than we are now. Uh, but Lincoln had a couple of enduring questions, and one of them was, can we save the republic? But most importantly, can we be self-governing? Are our citizens informed enough to be self-governing, to make the right decisions? Do they understand how critical it is that authoritarianism, which is you know what socialism and communism is, where the government tells us what to do, or are we going to take back our freedom and be self-governing? And we are at that point again, maybe not as dramatic as the Civil War, but we have to understand as a nation, if we're going to keep this experiment of freedom and uh, individual rights alive in our Constitution, we need to be self-governing. We need to make ourselves informed. And that's why me, as a member of Congress, a former newspaper owner, a paper owner I'm also a lawyer and a small business owner, one thing I think is really important is I try to be as informative and transparent as I can. I explain every single vote that I take on the House floor in detail so people know. You know, they, they, I get criticized, oh, you know, you voted against baby formulas, you know, shortages. But what I really voted against, the real bill didn't really do anything to help with baby formula shortages. All it did was give raises to bureaucrats at the FDA. So I explained those votes, and I explained all the bipartisan votes as well. So I think we need to do that. We need to look further before we jump on sound bites, jump on clicks. And think about what's really happening so we can be self-governing and we can take back our freedom. And that's how we do it. We can do that whether we're a Democrat, Republican, or Independent. I think we, have the, that we can do that. We just have to like, focus on you know, taking a step back and respecting each other, respectfully disagreeing, and then finding some common ground. And that's what we tried to do in my first term. And funny, now that it looks like the Republicans may take back the, take back the House, 
a lot of my friends and colleagues who I were in my first term who were Democrats are saying, let's get back to that commitment to civility. I think we can do it. And I think we can really, you know, come forth with some really good uh, legislation that's not going to compromise either side, but is also going to bring us together where we can find common ground. You mentioned Republicans taking back the House, and I have two questions uh, pertaining to that. Number one, would you support Kevin McCarthy as the House Speaker if Republicans were to take over? And number two, what would you like to see Republicans do when they first take over the House in January? Yes, I would support Kevin McCarthy because I think Kevin is doing a great job. I served in the fir- my first term uh, with a different House speaker, and I thought, you know, he did a lot to bring the, the agenda, the, the Trump agenda, the Republican agenda across the finish line, which, by the way, was pretty novel. The Trump agenda was really about American workers bringing our supply chains back, standing up to communist China in addition to conservative fiscal policy and, and unleashing our energy independence. But Kevin McCarthy's commitment to America, I think, is strong. And that's why I've tailored my own commitment to America, as I said in the beginning, the commitment to New York 24. And Kevin is working hard to bring us together. And I think that's what's really important, to bring our, our conference together, uh, to work with our, our, our colleagues across the aisle when we can agree without compromising our values with maintaining our conservative beliefs, and he's got a plan, and I think that's important. And uh, so I'm going to support Kevin, and I think that uh, I, I think that he's going to do a good job as speaker. Let's hope. You know, you never know, but um, I, I have to give him my trust because he's made a promise to us. He's worked with us to come up with this plan. We've been involved in working groups for the past year and a half to come up with this plan and to formulate it, and he's listened to us. And I think that's what you what you can ask of a leader. Uh, And he's to be tested. He's going to be tested and judged when he becomes speaker, which I think he will. And so we'll continue to to keep our pressure on him to make sure he does what we need for my constituents in in New York 24. Should I win this election and be uh, given the great honor and privilege to represent this part of the part of the state? Final uh, final thing before I let you go, I let everyone uh, have this last opportunity for anything you wanted to discuss that I didn't bring up. Uh, Here is the opportunity. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, I just want to emphasize to people how important it is to get out and vote, to make sure if you can vote in person, that's great. Be wary of people sending uh, absentee ballots to you, as I'm uh, the leader on Election Integrity Caucus. Go to uh, tenny.house.gov or go to my website, Claudia at ClaudiaForCongress.com, and look to see how we vote. Check out uh, our plan for how you should vote and make sure that you get a secure, free, and private vote. And and, and I urge everyone to do that. My dream as the co-chair of the Election Integrity Caucus and the founder is that every legal citizen vote in every election. I think that is the greatest expression, the most profound expression of self-governance, which is my mission uh, to make sure we retain our self-governance, which was the vision of our founders, which is, you know, a a timeless value. and, And it preserves freedom. So that's my message to everyone. Get out and vote. Uh, do your homework. Make sure you're, rely- you know, you're not relying on someone else. You're relying on your own research. And, uh, and I try to help people with that. I try to be as neutral as I can. Here are the facts. Here's why I voted the way I did. And uh, I'm just grateful uh, to everyone, again, in this, uh, in this district and grateful to you, Joe, and the media uh, for covering uh, this race because it's really important that people get uh, a channel and a chance to understand on media what we stand for and, and what we do as, as, uh, as members as candidates, uh, and and to bring us together. Congresswoman Claudia Tenney, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. Great to be on. And that is Congresswoman Claudia Tenney joining us here on Hardline. When we come back, 
her challenger, her opponent, Stephen Holden, will be joining us here on News Radio 930 WBEN. All star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.